the way my grandpa did. He was teaching the crowds of people who followed him and healing the sick and the lame. My favorite story was about a day when Jesus was teaching and healing people, and a lot of parents sent their kids over to Jesus so he could bless them. His followers told the parents to stop doing that because Jesus was busy with important work and shouldn't be distracted by a bunch of kids. But Jesus was angry with those who tried to send the kids away. He said to let the children come to him, because the kingdom of heaven is theirs too. The picture with that story showed Jesus dressed all in white and sitting on a garden bench surrounded by flowers. Children of all ages sat with him, on his lap and beside him on the bench, on the ground at his feet, and others stood close enough to hear Jesus speaking. My grandmother had that same picture, larger, and framed, hanging in her home, and I thought it was the prettiest picture I had ever seen. After story time, we'd all get cookies and punch, of course, or sometimes even popsicles, so a lot of kids from my neighborhood would go to vacation Bible school, even though most of them didn't have to attend preaching. The church held its Bible school in June every year, which was a good thing, since any later in the summer in southeastern Virginia, it would be too hot to sit out in the sun for hours. I'd just sit on one of the blankets spread out over the grass, feel the warm sun on my face and a light, cooling breeze off the field in the battlefield park across the road. It was a great place for flying kites, and there would usually be people doing just that. Some people flew fancy, colorful kites, which I thought were really neat, but most of the kites were simple, brightly colored paper kites with two crossed ribs and a tail made of knotted cloth, the same kind I had. And since that field was the only place near my neighborhood without power lines or trees in the way, a lot of times me and the other guys flew our kites in that field too. That field was huge. Dad said it was a half a mile long and about half that wide. The Park Service only cut the grass three times a season, so it was always about knee-high. The field sloped down to where some brush and low trees grew alongside a small stream that trickled through the middle, and then the open grassy area sloped back up to a line of old cedar trees. Behind those cedars were the flat tops of earthen ramparts that once surrounded a Confederate camp during the Civil War. Earthworks like those were common in the area. The sites of Confederate encampments were everywhere in southeast Virginia, and most of them weren't even marked. But the ones at Petersburg National Battlefield were protected because they surrounded a bomb crater a huge hole in the ground that marked the place where the last fort protecting Petersburg fell to the Union Army's advance, and the park was built around the side of that fort. The other guys and I liked to ride our bikes on the park road and sometimes up to the crater. Signs were posted all around to warn people to stay off the earthworks to prevent erosion, but of course we didn't pay any attention to them. The flat tops and the steep sides of the earthworks were more fun to ride bikes on than any place we had in the neighborhood. I liked to ride my bike up onto the ramparts in the crest of the highest side of the crater, then roll my bike forward, over the edge and drop, almost free-falling into the pit, ever faster, with the wind in my face as the path came up to meet me, and leveled, but by then I'd have enough momentum to make it up the other side. I'd crest the rim, seeing only the sky for a few moments before my bike wheels hit the gravel, and I'd laugh for the sheer joy of the ride. 
I'd laugh as I skidded my bike to a stop. That was the closest I could ever get to actual flying, and I loved it. Then I'd coast down the hill to the gravel path, warm sunshine alternating with the sudden coolness of deep shade from huge, old cedar trees. The path ran along the old tunnel, or what was left of it. Flat areas were separated by long depressions in the earth where the tunnel roof had collapsed in the explosion. The original tunnel entrance was in a ravine at the bottom of the hill, and the Park Service had put cement-filled sandbags on each side of the ravine to replace the long-gone sandbags originally used. The Park Service had put a rail around it to keep people out, but of course that didn't stop us from climbing down into the gully and looking through the iron gate into the tunnel. Despite all the modern reconstructions, the original tunnel entrance was still there, blocked off with a steel grate to keep kids like us from trying to get inside it. The